Great stuff. Good to have you here. Um, good to get some time together. I'm going to introduce my uh, special guest to you before we do any more, and that is the. Um, I'm really, really happy to be uh, tag team in this seminar with my daughter, um, my daughter Daisy, who is 15. She's going to be um, sharing this seminar with me and sharing some of the things that God has put into her. But I want to give her an intro first, so she's going to come and sit up here. This is Daisy. Give her a nice warm welcome. Okay. So you get two for the price of one, two for the price of one in this seminar. I'm going to speak loud because I know we've got a bit of competition from either side here. So I'm going to do my best to uh, fight and win for your attention as I go through the story really of what God has done with us, how God has led us. I want to really, I guess I was looking through the booklet at this stream and you've got, you've got people that are historic, huge heroes of faith. And um, I don't, in, in, in one sense, I see myself in the same light as them because I'm a Christian, like they're Christians. I'm a normal person, like they're normal people. Um, but on another level, the things they did were extraordinarily beyond anything I've ever done. Um, and and I'm so th- I really want to urge you to keep coming to this stream because what you will hear when people talk about Smith Wigglesworth and George Muller, people you may have never heard of, you will go away, something incredible in your soul. Um, but today you've got some, someone who's not that historic, only 43, um, but who about 25 years ago was at an event very similar to this, and this is where I gave my life to Jesus at an event just like this. I was 18 years old, and um, it was so funny hearing the testimony from Shepherd last night. I think that's, like, that's my story word for word. My mum paid for me to go on a Christian holiday and I went because of pretty girls. And when I got there, Jesus just ambushed me and, and changed my life. And um, so if you're here today and you're around 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, that sort of age, please don't disqualify yourself. The, the Bible says don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. It's my experience that you never reach the perfect age. What happens is, is you spend about 20 years thinking I'm too young to do anything and the next 20 years thinking I'm too old. I've missed it. And it's a kind of a strange thing. You can really fall for that. Listen, you are not too young now for God to use you and change your life. I returned from a Bible week similar to this thinking, what are my friends going to think about what Jesus has done in my life? That was the thing that was really playing in my head. Because up until that point, the big deal for me was, what do people think of me? That was really the main thing that drove my life. Will I be popular? Will people like me? Do people think I'm funny? Do people think I'm good looking? That was really the main driver in my life. Jesus came and I became a Christian. He came and started living in me by his Holy Spirit. And I thought, what are the boys going to say? I remember going home and I I, I invited my friend out to to the pub with me, my best friend. And he knew something was wrong because I ordered a shandy. He thought, something's up here. Shandy. We sat in the garden and I said, Barry, I said, I've become a born again Christian. He looked at me and he said, this time next year, you'll be kissing some girl in this very pub garden. That's what he said. That was his response. I looked at him and I said, you know what? I said, I don't know what the future holds, but I know Jesus Jesus has done something in my life. That was 25 years ago. His prophecy about me kissing some girl in the pub garden never came true. Jesus changed my life from 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 that point on. I remember gathering the boys saying, I've become a Christian. They all started laughing. And I didn't care. And I thought, wow, what's happened? Jesus has done something in my life. And you know, I want you to just be thinking about your life after New Day. It may not be anything dramatic, but those little choices you make 
about what God does in your heart when you get back from New Day, they, what they do, they set the course. They set, it's like, you know, if you, if you take one step in that direction or one step in that direction, where it, initially it looks quite similar, but where it goes when you keep going in that direction and where that one goes, they end up worlds apart. And it's often those little choices you make. And I thought, you know what, I just want people to know from the get-go, I'm a Christian now. And how they respond is up to them. But I'm going to say it. And it's like stepping in that direction and you end up over there rather than over there. Now, the name of this seminar is Adventures in London. So at this point, I'm not really in London. I'm right on the outskirts. I was born in Greenwich in London, but I was brought up on the outskirts in a place called Bexley, which is kind of a London borough, but it's, it's not really London, London. But God started to call me to London. He started to put in my heart the center of London to move there. But you know what it's like? You don't often know, is this really God? Or am I just getting excited about something? You know, it's kind of hard to know sometimes. I remember one day I, I was praying. I said, Lord, something like this. I was about 21 at this point. I've been a Christian three years. And I've just been getting on with learning how to be a Christian. Serving in church, just doing normal stuff. Going to the prayer meetings. If there was evangelism going on, I'd get involved. Just normal Christian stuff. But God started stirring my heart for London. I thought, and I said, God, if this is you, I was on my way to a meeting. If this is you, can you just show me that it's not just me? And I went to this meeting. And there was a guy there from London. I knew him a bit, and he prayed for me. And after we finished praying, he looked at me, and he said, why don't you come to London to work with me? Now, I want you to hear that, because it's just really, in some ways, not a hugely dramatic thing. I just said to God, I think you might be stirring something up here. Can you just confirm whether it's just me or whether you're in it? And often, God will confirm through someone else. And so when this invitation came, it was like, boom, it was like God saying, this is me. And, and from that point on, it's like, right, I'm getting, I'm getting ready. I started saving my money and I got ready to move into London. I moved into London in September 1995. I was 22 years old and I was excited and I did a year out for God. You've probably heard of such things. We've called them FP or Impact, um, ID. They're called different things. And New Frontiers runs lots of these different years out. And you can find out more about them. But I did a year out for God. And you know what? It was the most... It was a roller coaster ride of highs and lows throughout the year. A couple of stories as I begin my adventure in London. The first one's about money. I saved what I could, but I didn't really have enough for the whole year of this year out I was doing. They said, you can pay a term at a time. Well, I paid the first term, and then the second term came along. And you know what? I was short. I had about £180 in the bank, £20 in my wallet. That makes 200 I'm good with maths. I, I, I had to pay 300 in two days' time for the fees. And I'm praying, Lord, you said you provide. Lord, you called me here. Lord, where's the money going to come from? So I'm walking to church that Sunday. I had to pay on the Tuesday. And I bump into a friend of mine I got to know from a local estate in London. He says he was unemployed. And he said, my money hasn't come through. I've got nothing, no money to eat. And there's that moment. You've got £20 in your wallet. Yeah, God, but that little, that little prayer moment. God, yeah, but you know, I've got to pay. And I remember I felt God stirring me. So I, I said, well, I thought, oh, okay. So I gave him 10 of the 20 to get yourself some food. I remember walking to church thinking, oh, no, I'm on 190 now. You know, there's moments, what have I done? But God, I'm trusting you. You said give to the poor. So it's just normal stuff, but it's faith. You know, it's, I wanted to show you it's so normal, but it's those moments of faith where it's only God sees. No one else knew, but it's like before God, all right, Lord, you said give to the poor. I'm in a bit of trouble financially. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to honor you. I gave them tenor. Got to church, and they do the offering. 
And I felt my heart race again. God saying, put the other tenner in. Do you know what I said to God? I said to him, if I'm going to be silly, you've got to be silly back. I literally said to him, if I'm going to be you've got to be silly back. It came around. I put that tenner in. No one else. It just looked like someone putting a tenner in. No one. God knows. God sees. He knows. Put it in. Went around. About two minutes later, someone came up to me and gave me an envelope. 200 pound in it. 200 pound in it. Suddenly I've got 360 pounds. And it's like God's saying, we can do this. We can, we can live like this. You keep trusting me, I'll do amazing things. And it's, I didn't do anything amazing. He did the amazing thing. I just said, all right, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to go for that. And so God started to build my confidence that he is the provider. That I can trust him with my money. That I haven't got to sort myself out. I've got to be responsible, but I've got to, more than anything else, trust him with my finances. I tell you, now, you want to hear some more stories? All right, here's one. I was reading this book about praying and fasting and I was, did, did a little bit and, you know, and then uh, I was at this bus stop and I was, I was, I was uh, I, yeah, when I was reading this book, the guy who wrote it, he was part, he was in this World War II and he was part of a certain army called the Desert Rats. They fought in North Africa. Anyway, it was just mentioned it in passing and I read this book about praying and fasting. Went to get a bus somewhere, stood at a bus stop, an old man comes to the bus stop, sits down and I felt God say to me, he was in the Desert Rats. He was in that same battalion and I'm like, Oh, oh, and it's, it's what the Bible calls a word of knowledge or a prophecy. It's like some, some, somehow you, God speaks to you something about someone that you could never have known, but it's going to open the whole thing up. And your heart starts racing and your mouth goes dry. And we're at the bus stop and I remember saying, excuse me, I said, this might sound a bit weird, but were you in the desert rats? And you should have seen his face. He was like... How did you know that? And we got on the bus again. You imagine this conversation we had. He'd been into all kinds of dark stuff, spiritualism, getting in touch with the dead and all of that, and into this dark stuff. But suddenly, someone very normal had just said something they couldn't have known. And suddenly, he's open to the fact that there may well be a God who knows all about him. Just little lessons in terms of hearing God and stepping out. I stepped out other times and got it totally wrong because you're learning to, you're learning to know the difference between your own imagination and God speaking. And you never know, you never learn unless you have a go. So when I spoke to someone else a few weeks later, I said, excuse me, have you got heart problems? They said, no, not at all. At that point, you realize, okay, yeah, so when I get that, that that's kind of me just getting a bit excited. So you, but if I'd never asked and stepped out, you never know. But I'm on an adventure. I'm on an adventure of learning to walk with God in London. That's what it is. Now, I'm not at this point doing any great project. I'm just living the life, trying to work out, Lord, how do I hear your voice? How do I trust you? Just walking with God. But there's a bit of risk involved, you see. There's, someone once said, here's how you spell faith. R-I-S-K. there's a lot of truth in that now on the one hand it's not that risky because you're trusting God and you're safe but it feels really risky because your pride is on the line and you think what are going to people think of me if I get it wrong so there's all of that you've got to fight but you know what God really honours it when we begin to trust him and you learn to really God is so much more adventurous than we are we are so tame we are so lame we are so safe God is always way out ahead saying, come on, we've got some adventures to do. And very often we're saying, yeah, but Lord, I'm really enjoying this meeting. Now, meetings are fine, but I tell you what, you often really meet God when you're way out on a limb. Out on the edges. He's so, he is so adventurous. So that's, I wanted to say these things to you. 
one more, one more little story before we get onto the church planting adventure. And this was, uh, I got asked to take on the youth. I got asked to become the youth pastor at this church I was at in South London. So I said, okay, I'm, I feel God's in that. And so I went along to my first youth meeting and I was not ready for what I was going to see. I wasn't ready for it. This group of young people were the most lukewarm, compromised, worldly, uninterested in Jesus bunch of teenagers you could ever imagine. And I just couldn't believe. And I'd agreed, yeah, I'll be the youth pastor. And I'm looking around thinking, oh my goodness. And I remember I went home that night with a heavy heart. A heavy heart. And I went to my bedroom. Like Jesus said, I closed that door. And it's like, God, we've got to talk. (laughs) We've got to talk. And I remember I'm kneeling down by my bed. And I start praying. I'm so heavy in my spirit. And what's happening at that point is this. I'm feeling God's heart for those young people. I'm feeling that God is burdened by their spiritual deadness. I'm feeling that God is burdened by the fact that they're not really walking in the Holy Spirit. I'm feeling God is sharing his heart with me. That's what he'll do. He's sharing his heart with me and I'm praying and I'm kind of groaning and I'm like, oh my, and I'm grieving. And I, it's, it's, a, it's a strange thing, but I feel like God's allowing me to feel his heart and I'm praying and it's, it's really, it's sad. It's, I'm heavy because God's sharing his heart and you're just feeling the heartbreak of God over these people that he loves. And I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm thinking, wow, this is a, but you're kind of also having an out of body experience seeing yourself thinking, wow, look, this is a bit unusual. Is this okay? You look a bit strange. I'm, I'm literally groaning. I'm literally, I'm grieving. I'm like, oh God, it's a heaviness in my spirit. And, but here's what happens. As I go on, suddenly the praying changes. It just, I can't explain it other than it changes and it becomes a cry of victory. Literally like I am celebrating a victory. And what happens is at the end of this prayer time, I get up from praying and I know, I know Jesus has gone. I know I now have I've won something in the spirit that over the next few years I'm going to see play out. And do you know what I did? Do you know what I saw? We saw those compromised, spiritually lethargic teenagers become on fire for Jesus. And do you know what? It involved a lot of work, a lot of effort, a lot of discipleship. But I think the battle was really won in that bedroom. No one was looking. It was an adventure with Jesus in London. Praying. Another story. One more on prayer, just so you get you understand this. Chatting to someone very dear to me, very close to me, they were like a worship leader, and they and and every time they were about to lead worship, lead praise, you know, like at the front, they would become so crippled with fear and anxiety, and it got to a point where I thought this is wrong. This isn't just healthy nerves. This is wrong. And I went into a room again alone, and I'm praying, and I'm praying, and it's, I feel like I'm David, and there's Goliath in front of me. And, you know, I'm getting angrier and angrier, but it's the heart of God again. It's the passion of God that hates, hates him, and people are gripped in fear. He hates that. And I'm feeling, and I start, I start shouting, and I, it's like I'm David shouting at Goliath. And I'm, again, looking at myself thinking, boy, I'm glad no one else is in this room. <laughs> you know that feeling? I'm glad no one else is seeing this. But something so real is going on. And I, I, again, I got the victory in that room. I got the victory. By the end of that prayer, Goliath has got a stone in his head lying on the floor. I just know it. But I think to myself, I'm not going to say anything to the person. I'm going to just watch what happens next. Next time they're leading praise, they get on and do it. They come and speak to me afterwards. And they just say, I don't know what happened, but it was so different. And I'm thinking, I know what happened. I know what happened. We got the victory in prayer. You see, these, this is the adventures are sometimes these, you know, um, exciting things that everyone sees. Sometimes it's the hidden stuff. 
The hidden place is, is key. Jesus actually says, your father is in secret. There's something about being in secret and being with God where you're really building it in and you learn victories by faith. Now, we're going to jump on a few years now to when God called us to plant a church over the other side of London. Are you still with me? We're doing all right? Okay, cool. So, um, and Daisy's going to be on her feet in a minute. But I first want to talk to you about how God, when it's the right moment, God will lead you really clearly. When it's, when it's the right moment and it's a big step, it's a big deal, God will lead you really, really, really clearly. So here's what happened. So um, I became an elder, one of the pastors at the church we were at in South London. And, and, and when I became an elder and a pastor, I thought, right, I'm going to be a pillar in this church. We're going to be here for years. Um, you know, and, and then within a few months, I felt God that stirring again. You know, if you're into gardening, probably not many of us are, but if you've got a plant that you, need to, that you want to move somewhere else, you have to dig around it and you start shaking it. And what you're doing is you're loosening the roots so that you can put it somewhere else. And I felt like that going on in my heart. I felt like, wow. I'm being shaken up. I'm being moved here. And I remember talking to my wife, Davina. I said, Davina, I think God's going to move us on. Now, here's something you need to understand. I love change. Anyone here just love new stuff, love change? Anyone love change? Right. My wife is the exact opposite. She hates change. She, anyone here love it when it's always the same? You just love it when it's... A, you see, God makes us different. So I say to my wife, I think God's going to move us on. She looks at me. She says, it's a spiritual move, darling. Who knows what that means, but it sounded really wise. And I'm, I can be a bit irresponsible, so I just, okay, fine. Who knows, maybe I'm just getting too excited about something new. A few weeks later, I'm in the car with someone. He said, how's it going where you are, Steph, in South London? I said, it's going good, I'm busy, but I'm bored. And I, I feel something's going on inside of me. I'm just, it's like a spiritual boredom. I'm getting ready for something new. We had a conversation in the car. It didn't go any further. We got to where we were going and when we got there, I was chatting to a friend of mine and a, a guy called Kim, who's a prophet, which means he's just really got a sensitive ear to God's voice. And my mate says to me, Steph, hey, Steph, how's it going? I said, it's going fine. And then this prophet, he looked at me and he went, you're bored. I'd just been in the car having this conversation. And I looked at him like this. And then he said, yeah, God's about to move you on, but you haven't got hold of it yet. <gasps> and I remember ringing my wife and saying, I told you so. <laughs> We're off. Now, so what happened was in a process of where do we go? Where does God want us to plant a church? And we, we looked in d- different places. We went to a place called Camden in North London, which is wild. It's like the Wild West. And uh, I remember we got off at the tube station, walked about 100 meters, got off of drugs about six times. Um, and we're sitting in this pub just having a drink, looking around on the high street. It is like Armageddon out there. It's wild. It's crazy. And we look at each other and we go, yeah, yeah, we've got peace for this. We'd love to plant a church here. And, uh, and that, that, but at that point, interestingly, someone who's very close to me said, you know what, I don't think God wants you to move on. What? He said, yeah, I don't think God's in this. Now, it's interesting, you see, because very often when God's doing something, there are things that suddenly come up and they're like hurdles. And you think, what do we do now? And I went back to Davina and I said, what do we do now? This person was a godly person. This person was a good person. What do we do now? So we talked about it. We prayed about it. And we got to the point where we said, you know what? We've got more faith to go than to stay, but we would love God to confirm it. And Lord, this is a big deal. We've got three kids. We've got to take our oldest out of school and in a new school. We've got a church full of amazing kids work, loads, of, loads and loads of kids. We're going to start a church where it's just a, handful of, just a handful of people. And they might be the only kids. This is the big step, God. Can you just make it clear? Now, when it's a really big step, it's not... And when it's really costly, God will confirm it clearly. 
What I'm not saying is, is that every decision you have to make in life, you expect God to give you some kind of prophecy, right? So, Lord, is it the blue socks or the red socks today? Don't go down that road. Just choose blue or red. It's fine. Okay, it's cool. It's not going to affect your spiritual future. Okay, but when the big decisions come, this is a big one, God will confirm it. And I remember saying, God, please make it clear. Please confirm it. I prayed and fasted for three days. Lord, this is a big one. This is a big deal. Please speak to us. Went to a conference at the end of those three days. Someone who knew nothing about the situation came over to me and said, I see a picture of a fire in a box, but the fire has grown too big for the box. The box can't hold it anymore. The fire has to come out of the box. And it's like, you're that fire. And God is calling you to be a pioneer. God is calling you. You've got to move and go and start something fresh. And I'm like, yes, God has confirmed it. God has said, you know what? This person, as good and as godly as they are, they, they, they're not in the Holy Spirit in this. They, they, they've not, they've not, they're not hearing straight. And God confirmed we can go. So off we went. And, and, and what happened was this. right? God gave us promises to go with. And this is how the life of faith works. You've got to really hear this now. I'm going to hand over Daisy in a second. But you've got to hear this. God gives us promises. And you live by them. Right? You literally, the whole course of your life is dictated to by the promises he makes in the Bible, and then he gives us specific prophecies that help us to, to set the right direction. Okay, That's what he does. And so as we're getting ready to go and plant a church, i just tell you this one story about how God is amazing and knows the secrets of your heart. Here's the deal. Now, I'm from a kind of working-class background where not many people go to university. And uh, I went once, and I only lasted a year. And I kind of had a bit of a kind of a attitude towards kind of university types. I would never have said anything. It was one of the secrets of my heart. A bit ugly, but it was there. And I'm thinking, as we go and plant this church, I hope, we don't, I hope it's not full of students. That was my, that's what was going on, right? If you're a student, don't run out at this stage. Listen to the end of the story. So I'm at this prayer meeting, and I'm chatting to a friend of mine who's just graduated from university. And he said to me, Steph, did you ever go to uni? I said, well, I did. I went for a year. It didn't work out. I don't know what all that was about. This was a private conversation. Conversation finished. I walk off. And you know that guy, Kim, the prophet? He comes over again. He says, I've got a word for you. He wasn't in the vicinity of this conversation. He said, I've got a word for you. I said, go on. He said, just because you gave up as a student, don't give up on students. I mean, it's the fear of God hits you in those moments. You, it, you know it's true theologically. You know God knows, but suddenly it comes really close. And he says, God is going to give you loads of students, and you're going to train them, and you're going to send them, and you're going to... And he started prophesying. In that moment, my heart changed completely. You'll be glad to know. And I've repented of that attitude, and I'm like, God, I know this is you. And you know what? God gave us a ton of students when we planted. We could never have done what we've done without them. They're, and many of them now are pillars in the church. They joined us as 18-year-olds. Now they're sort of 26, 27, 28. They are pillars in the church. We've sent others out to places for God. It's just been extraordinary. But he gives you these promises so that you then, you then direct your whole life in light of what he's said. And sometimes when you do that, First of all, it seems the opposite of what God has said. It seems really, really hard. But then as you press through in faith, God fulfills his promises. Now, like I said, when you follow God, there's sacrifice, but he promises a lot of reward. And Daisy's going to talk a little bit about that. Over to you, dear. Hello, everyone. <laughs> um, so I'm going to start off by saying that before we moved 
to Camden. Um, I remember having lots of friends at our old church, which is called City Hope Church, and then I remember um, a specific friend called Millie, who was my best friend. And um, when I, I was about five, I think, at this time, and um, like friendships were still impo- were important to me at that age, um, and that was like one of the things that I was really holding on to where we were living. So moving was actually quite a big deal for me, and I still remember that, even though it sounds quite small, the whole friendship, moving away from that, and just being um, kind of almost a little bit on our own um, in North London was quite scary and a little bit intimidating especially starting a new school as well where we were settled and um yeah and I remember the first week of school was um really ner- it was quite nerve-wracking and for about the first few months wasn't it I think months um I remember just being quite lonely and not really having having many friends and I just remember uh, yeah just feeling quite upset with that and I think mummy as well I think my mum was also her heart broke over that because um, we had lost something really precious in South London and uh, I remember one day me and my dad we went to the cafe and we went to go and speak about um, speak about this and we bought bought this thing for me before God and we were like God we've we've um, moved out for you and you've called us to do this thing and now we want you to be faithful faithful and so we prayed that um yeah, we prayed over this issue and we prayed um, for about my friend Millie as well that I really missed and we prayed. And um, Dad, I think, you, I think Dad said, oh, well, God will give back more than what we can imagine because we've given up our lives and we sacrificed what we want to do for God. And we prayed for 100 Millies. We prayed that God would um, uh, give back friends um, and, yeah, just really precious friendships in North London. And... Uh, well, anyway, I look back now and I just think, wow, God is so amazing because I've made so many, lots of precious friends um, in North London from school, in church, and now we have um, a youth group as well in our church. And it's just so exciting to see that God um, really answers specific prayers. And it's, and we just, and it's just incredible to see that God is really faithful with the small and the things that seem really um, small, maybe also in almost insignificant to us as well um god makes it god really just is faithful through that and i'm really grateful to god for that so for instance um i made my first friend in primary school and she was called um honey and we were friends really really close friends throughout the whole of primary school and then when i went to new day as a youth for the first time in year seven i invited her along with me and it was just um such a a good visual reminder of what God is doing and how God really wants um, my friend, my new friends in North London to know him as well. And um, that was really encouraging. And then to see, um, to meet other girls in my now secondary school um, come to know Jesus as well and want to tell their friends about God. And it's just great that, um, yeah, it's just incredible that, um, yeah, God wanted to do that in my life and show me what he could do through that. So that was really uh, encouraging. And also, um, another point, so that was about friendships and how, yeah, so also through the church as well, because there weren't many um, young, there weren't many people my age, I started making friends with some of the adults as well. And um, it was really God's grace that enabled me to do that because it just meant that I was able to, um, 
yeah, it just meant that I was um, I was really blessed by lead, by lead, other leaders in the church to um, really encourage me at my age and um, build me up for the future as well, so that I could give back to my friends my age what um, people had given to me. So that was really encouraging as well. Um, the second thing that I wanted to talk about was, uh, oh yeah, so I was I've always been I'd always been brought up as a Christian. My fa- parents were Christians and um, I knew about God, I knew about Jesus and uh, through the church planting, just seeing um, people praise Jesus and have a relate and know that there's something different there, that they have a relationship with God, really spoke to me powerfully and it really made me want to have more of what they had and so, uh, um, <laughs> um, <laughs> so um for so when I got my first Bible, Daddy gave me a verse, and it was from 1 Peter 2, verse 2, and I wanted to share it with you. It says, like newborn babies crave st- spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. And um, just the other day I was looking back on that and thinking, um, yeah, God's been really faithful there as well because as, um, as a young guy, I really wanted to know what other people had that was um, different and and um, just over the years, God's really revealed to me what it means to have a, a real relationship with Jesus. And, um, and yeah, so that's another example where, um, yeah, God has really shown me um, what he can do in my life as well. And being just faithful and trusting that God will um, reveal to us um, all that we need in his time. And the last thing that I wanted to share was, um, yeah, so I think church planting for me meant, um, gave me a heart also and a desire to want to plant churches as well. So one of the things that have been on my mind is the nations, and I've always, um, you know, really, I've always really loved uh, just looking at maps and just thinking, oh, this is so exciting, just being naturally excited by that. And um, I think if that was God's plan, if that, if that is God's, was God's plan for me, then um, being in a church plant has been a blessing because I've been able to experience um, what it's like to be around um, a small group of people and uh, yeah, to see like adults and children come and experience family and church, which is really great. And it just I think it's really um, enhanced my passion uh, for church planting as well so that in the future, um, God can use my experience to help me um, as an adult to do the same thing, which I think is a really uh, great blessing from God. So, yeah, that's what I wanted to say. <laughs> well done. Well done. Thanks, love. That's great. So a couple more stories, and then we'll do Q&A, and then we'll pray for anyone who wants prayer. Is that okay? Yep, okay. A couple more stories. So here we go. Um, quick one on... Um, Oh, this is great. So we're just, we're just part of the church. We've got about 15 people. And, and, and at that point, you're thinking, I don't want to lose any of these people because there's only a few of us. And um, this is a crazy story, right? So for some reason, someone gave me this weird old stick a couple of years before. And I liked it because it was a nice shape. And we brought it with us when we moved house. And it's in the garden. And I was reading the Bible one day, and there's a story of Moses when he takes the Israelites to the Red Sea. And just, he's got this staff. And, um, and God says, like, you know, um, whack, whack the sea or whack the, and, and, you know, use your staff and, and the sea opens. And later on in the Bible, there's other stories of people, you know, whacking the stick and things opening miraculously. And I remember reading a story about some guy who had this stick and whacked it. And, 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 and I'm reading these stories 
And then I'm in the garden and I see, I notice the stick and I'm like, nah, nah, we're not doing the stick. Right? We're not doing the stick. Let's move on and read some reasonable stories in the Bible that, that are much more reasonable. But it wouldn't go. And so I'm like, God, what are you saying? No, what? like, okay, all right. So, so okay, what, what? And I felt him say, like, you want Camden, right? So, yeah. You want Camden to open up for the gospel? Whack, whack Camden. Well, like in secret or something like that. We can do that. No. Get the church plant wants Camden. Get the church plant to whack Camden. I'm like, Lord, please. There's 15 of us. They don't know me that well. <laughs> you, please, feel the, please feel the anxiety that I'm feeling at this point. It's all well and good in, in 10 years ago, but f- let's go back there. And I'm thinking, Lord, look, seriously, I'm going to need to put some credibility with these people first. And we had the evening meeting, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to tell them that we're going to whack Camden, you know. So we're in this meeting, and I totally bottled it, didn't, didn't say it. And I remember going to bed, and I'm, reading, and I'm reading a story in the Bible, and I'm sitting up in bed reading a story in the Bible, about a king called Saul who feared more what people thought of him than what God had said him, than what God had told him to do. He cared more about keeping hold of the people than what God had commanded. And I'm reading this story, and the conviction of the Holy Spirit is coming on me. Like, what is the foundation of this church plan? Is it your credibility, or is it obedience to God? Well, what's the foundation? <sighs> it's got to be obedience to God. So I gathered the guys a few days later or whatever. I said, we're going to go. And those of you who want to stay and pray, good. You can't force people to do this. But those of you who want to come with me, we're going to go to Camden High Street, 7 p.m., middle of the road, stop the traffic, whack Camden. (laughs) So we went. There's about five of us. Now, if you're going to do this, you've got to do it properly. You can't just, do you know what I mean? If you're going to do it, You've got to do it. You're either obeying God or you're not. You can't obey God in the spirit of timidity. It doesn't work. It's kind of like, it looks like obedience, but it's not. So come on, let's do this thing. So we went to the middle of the Camden High Street. I said to the guys, stop the traffic. So they stood in the middle of the road like that. They stopped the traffic. I ran into the middle of the street and I whack that stick for dear life on the street. God, give us Camden. And then we're out of there. We're out of there. Now you think, well, what did that accomplish? Well, do you know what? What I know it accomplished is this, is that the foundation of the church plant was radical obedience to God. If nothing more, if nothing more, that's what it accomplished. But here's something quite interesting that happened in the exact spot about four days later. In the exact spot. A few weeks before, I've been reading in the newspaper this story about a man who got shot dead in a King's Cross nightclub. He got shot dead while grooving away in a King's Cross nightclub and it burdened my spirit. In a, you're always reading about these things, but this one really hit me. And I thought, oh, it, just, it just hit me. I thought, God, if only we could get access to that situation. Four days after the stick incident, about roughly, I'm walking past the very, literally, the very spot. Woman walks past me with a little handbag with a little ornamental padlock on it. I just catches my eye. I walk past her. I feel the Holy Spirit say, she's all locked up. So what? <laughs> okay, she's all locked up. And when God tells you something, it's for a reason. And I'm, I walk past. I'm not going back. I'm not going back, you know. And my heart goes fast. Okay, I'll go back. 
So I caught up with her. By the time I catch her, I'm literally in the spot. And I hadn't, this was not deliberate. I'm in the spot where we did. I said, excuse me, this is going to sound really funny. I said, look, I'm a Christian. And it's just as I walked past you, I just saw that little padlock on your bag there. And I just kind of felt like God said, maybe you're all locked up. Maybe there's something like that. I don't know. You know, you think. She tells me the story. She's the girlfriend of the man who got shot dead in the nightclub. She tells me as a result of what's going on, she's, her heart's got hard. And you're standing there thinking, what the heck? This is impossible. This, this shouldn't be happening. I could never orchestrate this. There's someone who can orchestrate extraordinary things. What's your role in it? Just do what he says. Just do what he says. He will piece it together in a way where you go, what is this? And you've got tingles up your spine and all of that. You're thinking, what is this? It's just God. It's what he does. He's in charge of everything. Just obey. Just obey. So we had a good conversation about Jesus was an encouraging thing. I don't know where it went from there, but that was enough for me. Maybe one more story. It's not always easy going out on a limb for God. And um, three years into the church plant, my wife was diagnosed with cancer. So there was no leadership team really, no, well, no elders to, to really carry it. I was really carrying it in many ways by myself. I had some people helping me, but I was carrying the bulk of the responsibility. I had obviously three children aged at that point, nine, seven, and four, planting a church. My wife got diagnosed with cancer. That was, what was encouraging was this, that before she got diagnosed, it was New Year's, it was New Year's, the first Sunday of New Year's. And I felt God tell me to preach to the church, passage from James, where it says, don't say we're going to do this, this, and this. This year we'll go here, then we'll go there. Don't boast about tomorrow. You don't even know what a day brings. Your life's just a mist. So I preached this to the church. About three days later, my, my wife in the shower felt the Lord tell her to check her body. She checked it and found a lump. I mean, praise God, because the Lord, t- she's never checked, never, never checked before her body for a lump. Put the Lord tell her, checked, found a lump. It was a very aggressive cancer. If she hadn't checked it and discovered it, it could have been a whole lot worse than where we're at today. She checked, she went, got a di- she, she went to the doctors, they said, that just looks like some sort of cyst. But, but the nurse said, I've just got, it looks fine, but I've got a hunch, we'll just take a biopsy, which means we'll just cut a bit out and have a look. She just had, followed a hunch. Cut it out, and it's like, this is a really aggressive cancer. And so even in craziness, you see the mercy of God. And, and so then what followed that year? That year was a crazy year. That year was a year of operations, chemotherapy, bad health, pressure, crazy, trying to juggle everything, dropping the daisy at school, dropping Levi at nursery, trying to look after Melody, trying to plant a church, pick the kids up. Crazy, crazy madness. Crazy, crazy madness. And all I'm saying is, is that it wasn't an easy year. I didn't feel like Mr. Spiritual Hero. I didn't have any amazing encounters with God, but I'm still here. And my wife is still here. And she's in great health. And um, we can just testify to the faithfulness of God. And the, the tough bits, the confusing bits, are as much part of the adventure as the amazing moments where you get the spine tingles. And just walking through the valleys and saying, God, I don't really know how to do this well. I'm going to just keep trusting you and, and, and trust that you'll just bring us through in the right place. He does that because he's the keeper of our hearts. Amen. 
There's a few stories. Hope they, hope they touched you in some way. Hope they encouraged you. Hope they inspired you. We can do Q&A for 10 minutes. Then we'll pray for people. Anything that's touched you from our story, myself, Daisy, maybe some ministry people, Simon, we'll pray for you, encourage you, see what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Any questions? Any questions? You just want to find out a bit more? Don't want to force it. Yeah. Do you want to just come and, come and use the mic? Because then everyone can hear your question. We haven't got to say it twice. If you've got questions, just make your way up, and then you can use the mic after this guy. Uh, okay, so time has passed. Can you give us uh, one, one thing that back then seemed very small but turned out to be very big and important? Uh, or one thing that when you were younger seemed massive but turned out to be very insignificant? Yeah, I can def- yeah that's a great question. I could definitely do, days anything that comes to mind, feel free. I can definitely do one thing that seemed really important and turns out not to be, and that is, have I got what it takes? I think we can get so worked up about ourselves. Have I got what it takes? I- am I gifted enough? Am I- if God calls you to do something and gives you promises, you're qualified. If God says, I'm calling you to do this, and I'm promising that as you obey me, I'm going to do the things to make it fruitful, then actually you are qualified. And I think we can go just get so wrapped up in, you know, people said to me, you'll never be able to plant a church. All you can do is preach. I'm a very good preacher. I'm naturally not, I'm not a natural leader. I'm really happy to be led. As long as I'm being led well, I'm happy to be led by others and fade into the background. I'm not an alpha male. I'm, I'm a sensitive, crying in the corner type. That's who I am. Yeah? I'm not alpha male. I'm not a born, I, I don't feel the need to lead unless it's being led badly. Then I'll step in. Guys, um, and, and, and so you can, get, you can get worked up. And even when I got sent to plant a church, you know what the guy in charge said? He said, it's like, it's like you've got a really big muscle called preaching. And, and, and then you, this one called leading, we just, we just don't know about that. That's what he's saying to me. So we'll just have a go and see how you get on. Maybe that muscle will grow and you can do it. Maybe it'll turn out you can't do it. Thanks. <laughs> other times, I remember another time God told us to do something crazy. We had one congregation. God said, I want you to multiply this and do another congregation in the evening in a different place to reach different people. So I thought, well, I better go on the website and find out how does that work. And the website said you need eight things in place to be able to do that well. I looked on the website. We have one out of eight. I said, well, I don't want to be a maverick. I don't want to think. But God said, you've got to do it. So I, I said to the guy who was coaching me, we've got to do this. He said to me, okay, all well and good. What are you going to do if it fails? I thought, I thought maybe you'd say something a bit more inspiring than that. I thought maybe you'd say, we're rooting for you, bro. With God, all things are possible. He said, what are you going to do if it fails? He said, I don't know. God's told us to do it. So I think it's learning to just do what he says. He does the amazing stuff. He's amazing. We're not. We're normal, aren't we? So normal. So normal. But he's amazing. You obey him. He does amazing things. Any other questions? Great to have this huge queue here. (laughs) Glad you've been so stimulated by what we've said. Uh, You touched on that thing of... um Stepping out sometimes, getting it wrong. Yeah. Stepping out other times and getting it right. Could you say a little bit more about how you've learned to discern that's God and that's just a bit of too much spaghetti at lunch or whatever? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm still on the journey, folks, to be honest. Um, I think... I think you just get to know yourself a bit better maybe over the years. And I, I kind of realised that 
you realise that you have certain, certain ways your mind just goes naturally. It's not the Holy Spirit necessarily. It's just the way you're put together. And so I think I've kind of realised that actually, you know, when I'm in a room full of people, I always just think, I always have a sense of something, but it's not always the Holy Spirit. It's just kind of my own temperament. Do you know what I mean? So I think, I think I've, when you get to know yourself better, then you get to realise the difference between, oh, I always think that kind of thing, and then these other thoughts that are just kind of like, wow, where did that come from? And I think it's that sort of thing where you feel like, I wouldn't have just thought of that. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't stand at bus stops and think, I bet they're in the desert rats. I don't do that. Yeah, that's not me. Do you know what I mean? I'd probably be thinking, poor old guy. That's, that's naturally, do you know what I mean? So, I, I, you know, I just think, oh, he looks a bit lonely. That's naturally who I am. I feel sorry for people. I, I've got, I'm quite compassionate, quite a softy. That's who I am. So, if I'm, so I don't tend to prophesy loads, oh, you know, oh, it's tough, isn't it? Because that just kind of tends to be one of the ways that my mind can, can just go naturally. And it's often a bit warped and it's not really inspired. But when you get these things, you think, wow, that just really feels out of the blue. Then I'll really take notice. And, and, and say, you know, see if it grows, you know, see, Lord, is this something that's really growing? And th- but, but when you step out, you're always, you're always still 90%. You're never really 100% until you have a go. And I think that's part of God wanting us to actually take the risk, you know. And, and the main thing is until, until you start living a bit more riskily, you're not really creating the right environment to learn. Because all you're doing is you you just go and you're just stuck in your own head. Was it God, wasn't it? But you never had a go, so you don't know. So you just just all go around in circles. So live a bit of risk, and God will find a way of teaching you. And, you know, you'll just become more confident. The best I can do, so. Just to say, is there anything you can put into place that protect the ones closest to you, like your wife, family, that sort of stuff? When you go out and these big kind of steps out, usually it's those that get kind of the most flack. Yeah. Great question. Yeah, no, that's a good question. Don't apologise. Um, yes and no. Yes and no. You know, when you do something as a family, you do it together. And you, so, so, you know, so there has to be faith together for it. Now, God never spoke to my wife directly um, about going to church plants in North London, but we are one. She was convinced God had spoken to me. Therefore, she is convinced God spoke to us. And the kids weren't at the age where you talk it through with them. They were at the age where you say, kids, we're going. And they're like, okay, dad. Um, kind of changes as the years goes on. But that's, where the, that's the phase we were at. So we, we're in it as a family. Love one another. Be good to one another. Give time to one another. Invest in one another. And then if storms hit, walk through it together. Treat each other well. Keep being kind to one another. It's pretty basic. I mean, treat each other well. You think, oh, is that the begin site for the day? Yeah. Be kind to one another. Be good to one another. Be patient with one another. Don't drive, don't drive one another into things. Allow, allow yourselves to be led by the Holy Spirit into things. Don't, don't lean on people and force them to be who you want them to be. Your family, your wife, your husband, your kids. You've got, you got to create the environment where God can move and grow faith in them. You don't, want to, you don't want to pressurize them into a certain thing. That's horrible. That's ugly. You want to teach them, but then you've got to respect the fact that God can work in your loved one's life and give space for that to happen rather than creating a suffocating atmosphere. But when, when the storms come, you just got to walk it through together. Um, here's the thing. If the storms come, and either your wife, your husband, or your kids 
felt like they were forced into it in the first place, then it will be ugly. Because they'll go, do you know what? I didn't want to be here in the first place, and now look what's happened. Whereas if there's a sense of, we're all saying, do you know what? God's called us into this. Then when the hard times hit, you look at each other and you go, yeah, but we know we should be here. And that's a very different situation from when someone felt leaned on, pressurized. So, yeah, that's the main things I can say, really. We want to pray for people. Oh, sorry, sir. Just one more question. Where would you, where have you, where do you go when times are really bleak? When you feel your lowest and you need building up, what, what are your practices that pick you back up again and help you to keep moving forward? What keeps me moving forward is, number one, a very honest relationship with God, number one. I, I'm totally honest with God. I say, I say things to the Lord that, that no holds barred. I, I explain exactly how it is. It's like there's a, the, the Bible says, um, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. Now that word pure in heart, it means a bit like um, clothes that have no creases in. Right, so there's, if I've got a crease, see this crease in my t-shirt, underneath that crease there's something hidden. You can't see, it might be a stain or something. But if I do this, then the whole thing's seen. So to be pure in heart is that you're, before God with no creases, you're saying, look Lord, this is the deal. This is what's going on, this is how I'm feeling, I don't know. Really, because the Bible says God loves truth in the inmost place. If you're honest with him, you know it's like if you've got a friend and they're not honest, you think, I don't know how to build a relationship with you. I don't, know, I don't really know because it's kind of this front and it feels like a bit, you think, I can't really connect because it doesn't feel real. It's the same with God. He, he's a God of relationships. So if we're just really honest and real with him, then there can be this relationship. He can come and meet you in your, he knows, the Bible says he knows we're just dust. He knows we're, just, he knows we're weak and he doesn't mind. And he'll meet us there with his strength. In fact, when we're at our weakest, he will show his strength. So honesty with God and then fellowship. Fellowship, good Christian brothers and sisters that I can just sort of say. I remember ringing up my, my dear friend, Mike Betts. He's like a spiritual father to me, right in the middle of all the cancer madness. And I remember saying to him, I feel so unproductive. I'm, I'm wandering around Camden with a milkshake. This is my ministry at the moment. I just don't know what, I'm exhausted. And this is, you know, look at me, church planter. I'm wandering around Camden with a milkshake. That's as spiritual as I'm getting. I've got nothing in me. I said, I feel so unproductive. He said these words to me, brought life. He said, you're not called to be productive. You're called to be fruitful. He said, and he said if you respond in a godly way to this season you're going through, God will bring great fruit. He's not looking for you to do anything amazing at the moment. And it was just like words of life, you know. So good counsel people around you that you can really lean on, really be honest with. And then obviously just the scriptures, you know, the promises, things God has said. God, you said. <laughs> That's so, so huge as well. So the scriptures, praying, honest walk with God, good relationships with others that you can be really honest with in a godly way. We're done, but we'd love to pray for anyone who wants prayer. So I guess you're all free to go. God bless you. If you want prayer, please do stick around. Is that okay? Great. God bless. Great. Thanks.